2: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan, who has been racking up the miles this week. On Wednesday morning, John, you drove to Resorts World Catskills for the reopening of the Upstate New York Casino. Then you headed straight to Freehold Raceway that afternoon for the scheduled opening of its sports book. Uh, your 2020 stats for ribbon cuttings and reopenings are off the charts in terms of volume, although your advanced metrics for efficiency took a hit with the Freehold trip. Care to <laughs> share the story with our listeners? Uh, yeah,
1: well, the Catskills uh, that checked off my 13th reopening this summer of casinos and racetracks in the age of COVID-19 in New Jersey, New York and Connecticut. So I was feeling good about that. Uh, Then Freehold was going to be a twist because uh, there's no races on Wednesdays. but this is going to be a really, really soft opening of its new sports book, finally a mere two and a half years or so uh, after its uh, competitors at the <laughs> Meadowlands Racetrack and Monmouth Park. But um, while the messed up regulars, uh, simulcasting people, were on hand as usual uh, at, the, at Freehold, there was no uh, sign of a sports book. Um, I did get word of a new, really ready-this-time opening date, uh, which will appear uh, today sometime on NJOnlineGambling.com in my story um, – Kind of felt like a 65-mile ride of shame back home, though, to be honest. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, Freehold, off to a a fine start, opening the sports book two-plus years after everyone else, as you said, and then delayed a a couple of weeks, just as NFL season is beginning when a couple of weeks really makes a difference. Uh, I, I can imagine your frustration. I had to run out to a pharmacy first thing in the morning when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago. I looked online. I found the local Rite Aid. The website said it opened at 7 a.m., so I got there a few minutes after 7, and the sign on the door said opens 8 a.m., and Ooh. I was muttering a bunch of curse words under my breath, and that's just a one-hour delay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you get to make two trips to Freehold this September. Uh, may, maybe you'll get a Springsteen sighting out of it as your reward at least.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. If, if you take one particular path there um, and you're looking for signage once you get within, I don't know, 20 miles, um, you're going to be in vain. Um, you will get a couple of signs for the Freehold Raceway Mall, at least, but um, you can shop there, but you can't uh, you can't bet.
2: Right. Oh, well. A little, little wasted time. Oh, well. That uh, com- comes with the territory sometimes, sure. I suppose. Uh, well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 108 of Gamble On, the perfect podcast to listen to while you're driving 65 miles out of the way for a sportsbook opening that isn't <laughs> happening. Uh, if you missed any of our previous 107 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you don't want to miss any more episodes going forward, just tap the subscribe button button it's as simple as that
1: oh, absolutely and Eric coming up a little later in the show we'll be joined by VegasInsider.com senior writer Tony Mejia going to help us break down the betting options for the NFL season that kicks off tonight and Eric and I will follow that with our favorite NFL bets and week one picks uh, but first it's been a I would say particularly busy week in the world of gambling so let's get to it here's your
3: Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling
2: have grown numb to the partnership deals made between professional sports teams and sports betting operators. But when a sportsbook makes a deal with a college team, that gets our attention. On Tuesday afternoon, PointsBet announced a five-year corporate sponsorship deal with the University of Colorado. And while early reports that this deal was the first of its kind were inaccurate... It is the first such deal outside the state of Nevada, where William Hill has arrangements with UNLV and University of Nevada at Reno. The deal, according to a press release, will give PointsBet, quote, "...visibility at Folsom Field and the CU Events Center through game day promotions and advertising space, as well as placement on CU Buff's radio broadcasts and other media channels." Of course, reactions went in a variety of directions from this helping to legitimize and elevate points bet and ensure the integrity of betting on college athletics to this being a bridge too far and an example of college sports selling out. What was your reaction to the news, John? And do you expect we'll see a steady stream of deals between colleges and gambling companies in the months ahead now that this domino has fallen? Well, I once again cannot
1: resist mentioning this deal comes about as the entire NCA continues its defense of that 115-minute uh, lawsuit <laughs> by New jersey horseman against the four major sports league as well, the NCAA, um, with each of them still claiming that way back in 2012, they swore under oath that they really believe the expansion of legal sports wagering from Nevada to a historic Jersey Shore racetrack called Monmouth Park, even for just a few Weeks would cause each of them, quote unquote, irreparable harm right. uh, to the re- reputations of their athletic contests. Uh, the wheels of justice grind slowly indeed. Um, but I'll also add that Folsom Field, as a venue name, is unfortunate regarding a school that has not had a fully uncheckered background in terms of its choice of gridiron student athletes, if you go back away. So um, I'm a little surprised that went through. Um, Colorado, though, has been a pioneer in many regulated gambling efforts. Uh, uh, west of the Mississippi in the past year, I would say. I, I don't see why numerous other Division I programs then won't just go for it now. COVID is crushing the bottom line of many athletic departments, and those new training facilities don't fund themselves after all.
2: Yeah, that that that's a key point. I'll note, it, it's interesting that Points Bet, which hasn't actually launched in Colorado yet, is making uh, such a big push in the state. They have deals also with the Nuggets and the Avalanche, uh, and to whatever extent a brick-and-mortar office matters anymore. Uh, they recently broke ground on North American headquarters in downtown Denver. So clearly points bet views Colorado as an important state to succeed in. Um, I'm interested to see if the NCAA responds to this and, and if so, how, um, you know, as with all the sport pro sports leagues, they're morally opposed to the scourge of sports betting until they can see some money out of it, which is uh, what you were hitting on at the top there. And money is clearly what's motivating the University of Colorado. There's money in this deal for them. And the school didn't sugarcoat it in their statement, which read, the five-year deal provides a financial boost for CU Athletics during a time when athletic department budgets nationwide are stressed by the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, then. (laughs) Shockingly straightforward. (laughs) Uh, We have money problems. This will help with that. Um, So I expect we'll see several more deals like this before the end of the year, unless the NCAA does come out and, and oppose this deal and slow things down a little. If the NCAA is okay with it, what would stop almost every other major college program in a legal sports betting state from trying to find sports book partners? You know, I, I think most schools were reluctant to be the first, but now that somebody else is the first uh, you know, outside Nevada, the floodgates figure to open.
1: Yeah, well, don't forget that uh, in, a, in a multi-year uh, era where uh, New Jersey was banned from hosting uh, NCAA events because they had the temerity to try to get sports betting, mm-hmm. at the same time, four or five of the West Coast conferences, in fact, most of the major West Coast conferences, were holding their conference tournaments and March Madness in Las Vegas. Right. And the NCAA sort of said, well, that's not the tournament, though. We run the tournament itself, <laughs> and that one we, we can't have in Las Vegas. But whatever they do, you know, what can we do? So I think this is going to be the same way. They can wink, wink, and uh, I think the. The floodgates are open and they're not going to stop. it.
2: Yeah, seems that way. And of course, um, this is one more way for colleges to make money off their student athletes without any of that money <laughs> landing directly in the pockets of the kids. We talked recently about at least indirectly how it does. But I, I suppose that's a layer of debate on this for another time, but certainly something that, that will come up as various people opine on the mixing of colleges and sports books.
1: Well, I think it's going to be nice that some of these coaches with their polo shirts will be able to get a nice patch on there to get a little bit of supplemental income to uh,
2: to get by and sort of pay the mortgage. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> All right. Our next story here. Uh, we tend to leave offshore sportsbook news alone on this podcast. But on Sunday, some news broke that is relevant to the legal U.S. market. The Costa Rica-based sportsbook Five Dimes will shut its virtual doors to U.S. customers effective September 21st. And one common presumption is that Five Dimes plans to relaunch as a legal, regulated sportsbook in the U.S. soon. What happens here will set a fascinating precedent, as we've talked about DraftKings and FanDuel going into the quote-unquote penalty box in some states, and here's an offshore operator trying to be welcomed in the U.S. after years of skirting U.S. gambling laws. Meanwhile, we should note that the NFL has made a deal with another well-known offshore sports book, Bet Chris, as a partner in Latin America. So the gray area in which these offshore books operate is getting grayer by the minute. Uh, John, what do you make of all this? And do you think Five Dimes will be able to waltz right into the U.S. and set up a legal mobile sports book?
1: Well, it's such a good dovetail with the Colorado story, really, because uh, even the NFL could use some extra dough these days. And uh, by the way, 888, uh, just uh, 888 Sport, actually, mm-hmm. just got a deal with the NFL for England and Ireland uh, hmm. NFL betting. So uh, it seems like you know the NFL, too, is testing the limits of the population's tolerance of aggressive uh, new forays in gambling. But in spite of those years of doomsaying in, in these New Jersey sports betting sagas, um, I think the in this one too will be met with a collective yawn from the public. They, they don't really care what does what happens here. I, the NFL has been a little paranoid on this stuff for years, and so uh, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised when they see a lack of blowback. Um, I do look forward to seeing each of these uh, circumstances turn up in the Horseman's next brief in New Jersey, by the way. But uh, uh, so Betcris gaining full fledged status uh, among U.S. regulators, um, or uh, you know, or any of these uh, five right, dimes five and everybody dimes, else. Right. I I think the best way to do that, clearly, would be to get the coveted New Jersey imprimatur. And so far, I've yet to hear back from the State Division of Gaming Enforcement. Uh, I don't know. I think as long as David Rebuck remains in charge there, I don't see that as a good bet for Betchris. And without that, I I think a lot of states almost would literally be calling New Jersey like, so is it cool for us to do this? What do you think? What, what are you guys doing? So, you know, the states have tended to follow New Jersey's uh, uh, a footprint. In yeah. fact, FanDuel and DraftKings really impressed uh, gaming enforcement in New Jersey a couple of years ago, and, and they got the full go-ahead, and they've kicked ass in the state and all over the country. Um, so it's the same kind of thing that these companies would want. I- I'm I'm not sure New Jersey would be good with it. They really – Reebok almost personally has really vented against these uh, – Offshore sports books. So I don't think them, uh, you know, uh, taking a shower and getting a shave is necessarily going to have them saying, oh, yeah, you look great. Let's uh, come on in.
2: Right. Yeah. I had a feeling you were going to mention David Rebuck and his view yeah. on offshore books. That that certainly is something I'm, I'm thinking about here, too, waiting to see how he responds. Uh, it's interesting that, uh, you know, you, you sort of say. You know, does the, the general public uh, is not really going to care about this, as, as we've noted, a lot of the general public doesn't even know the difference between Chris <laughs> five dimes and FanDuel DraftKings. Like they don't know what's yeah. operating legally and here and, and what isn't to them. It's all just sports betting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we should note that uh, in addition to the NFL getting this partnership with, with Chris, MLB also has a partnership already with, with bet Chris. So I think the two of them together, that's a pretty solid sign that the powers that be in the U S do not view bet Chris as a pariah that needs to be kept out. Uh, They're a respected offshore bookmaker in the sense that the lines are said to often originate at bet Chris, and then everyone else copies their work and comes up Mm -hmm. with the lines after bet Chris posts them. Um, But, you know, I'm not sure if, if five dimes will be viewed the same way, I, I suppose, Their decision to at least cut off U.S. customers first makes sense. Uh, The Five Dimes statement talked about launching new operations in the U.S. with a, quote, fresh start. Uh, I don't know if that means they're going to rebrand at all. Uh, If they do, I guess they lose some of the recognition and loyalty built into the Five Dimes name. I have to assume they've had some talks with folks in the U.S. and have some assurances that they can operate in some states legally uh, or else they wouldn't be making this move but you know how long they'll have to wait I don't know I assume it's not just going to be instant you know September 21st we shut down and a week later we start seeing five dimes legal sports books popping up
1: yeah exactly it, it would be kind of crazy for them to be doing this without some sort of uh, behind the scenes reassurances so and the question of whether they should be allowed to get on the right side of the law is different from the one I was talking about which was whether they will you right. know I mean people Reasonable people can differ on on whether uh, Reebok and its Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement are being uh, been too strict or too harsh or whatever, but the fact is that's that's their has been their sentiment and hasn't changed yet. And uh, Reebok's still in office. So, you know, whether whatever one thinks of the, you know, the merits of these companies, um, there's still a different question about whether uh, they'll get through. And I I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I'm definitely going to follow this.
2: Yeah. I mean, within the industry, uh, again, like you said, the casuals might not care, but within the industry, this feels like the start of a major story. And uh, I have way more questions than answers at this point, but it's definitely something to watch closely. All right, our final story. Last week, we had TVG's Mike Joyce on the podcast to talk Kentucky Derby. We talked about what it would mean to horse racing to have a horse going for the Triple Crown in this out-of-order year, and for the first time ever, the Triple Crown dream is dead after the Derby. Uh, Belmont Stakes champ Tis the Law finished second to Authentic. Uh, But the bigger story than what happened on the track is what happened, or didn't happen, at the betting windows. Total wagering handle on the Derby Day program was just $126 million, down almost 50% from last year's $250.9 million. And on top of that, USA Today reported that TV viewership was down about 50% also. Uh, The betting numbers make a lot of sense to me, as there were no spectators allowed at the track, fewer horses than usual in the race, and a prohibitive favorite who Mike Joyce said wasn't worth betting on straight up. That said, I'm not entirely sure why TV viewership would be down so much. John, any guesses as to that? And are you surprised at all by how steep the handle drop was?
1: Well, I'm glad I actually caught the race. It turned out to have a wonderful sort of a match race stretch run. You've Mm -hmm. got an eight to one underdog, you know, pretty much just head to head with Tiz the Law in a showdown with with that super horse. And, you know, inevitably, Tiz the Law is going to take him down and you just want to see how long the underdog can hang in there. And then it's over and uh, the run for the roses is, is, is goes to authentic. So I thought it was very exciting, dramatic, but um, the sports load over the sports overload has been mm-hmm. overwhelming as you well know. I mean, NBA and NHL playoffs every night, MLB stretch run, just had the PGA tour playoffs, uh, the start of us open tennis. It's all just too much. And the omnivorous sports fan can only handle, you know, so to speak uh, so much. So, uh, and oh yes, it was a holiday weekend with many family events and obligations too. So I'm not shocked at either number.
2: Yeah, that that latter thing, uh, you know, the the holiday weekend, I wasn't even thinking about that exactly with like family events and stuff like that. But I was thinking that, you know, nice weather is going away soon. And there are only so many Mm. Saturday evenings that everyone can spend outside before we're all cooped up inside again. Um, And just the fact that people aren't used to watching Triple Crown races in September. So uh, casual fans, I guess, didn't make appointment viewing of this. I, I guess that all factors in. I don't have a whole lot else to say about this, but I'll use this opportunity to mention how much I enjoyed the first episode of the new ESPN Plus series, Better Days, hosted by Mike <laughs> Greenberg. And, of course, that's better spelled with an O. Uh, the first episode, which is the only one that had come out so far, although I believe a second episode dropped today. I haven't watched it yet. But the, the first episode dropped... Told the story of a guy who bet on last year's Kentucky Derby, which, to jog your memory, was the one in which maximum security was disqualified and 65 to one long shot country house won. His story takes some unexpected twists and turns, so no spoilers here. But I'll just say if you have ESPN Plus, it's 15 minutes long, really well put together, very entertaining, totally worth watching.
1: All right. I think I might do that.
2: Yeah. Uh, And uh, I know uh, I asked Mike Joyce last week uh, if he would join us again before the preakness. Uh, Now I'm not sure. Do we care that much if there's no triple (laughs) crown possibility? Uh, We'll see. But especially with what you said about all all the other sports going on, football about to start. There figure to be plenty of other sports gambling stories to cover three weeks from now. Uh, I might uh, I might I might quietly ghost Mike Joyce on that one as much as I've enjoyed having him on as a guest.
1: Yeah, it was really good, but I was kind of shocked to hear you say that
2: <laughs> for exactly that reason. I'm like,
1: "Boy, you're really going out on a limb, uh, you know, publicly here." And uh, I don't know how you pull that one back, but
2: uh, uh, Mike's a good guy. I'm sure he'll
1: understand. If yeah, necessary. and if and,
2: and if he doesn't bring it up, I won't bring it up, and we'll just maybe go that with that approach. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> okay.
3: It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling.
2: Let's get to the
3: Gamble On interview.
2: The mantra throughout the sports gambling community the last six months has been, as long as we have NFL football, we'll be okay. Well, starting tonight, we have NFL football. So for all of you who stalled on doing your research for fantasy or betting purposes, it's time to cram. Uh, Joining us now to help is a senior writer for VegasInsider.com. Basketball is his specialty, but he knows how to handicap football also, Tony Mejia. Tony, thanks for joining us on Gamble On.
3: Pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: So this NFL season will be different than any other for a variety of reasons. And one unique aspect this year is that there was no preseason. That limits our information, and it also increases the probability of teams being out of sync. How do you think that translates in week one? Are you looking for unders to hit because offenses will be rusty? Are you looking to bet against teams with new quarterbacks or new coaches? In short, what, what trends are you thinking about jumping on in week one coming off this unusual offseason?
3: Well, it's going to make uh, those NFL replays that they show on, on the NFL Network must-see TV uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as we Monday morning quarterback all this stuff. <laughs> right. uh, I, I like a lot of unders this week, but not necessarily because of the of the no preseason. Uh, I just like a lot of matchups. Stuff, for instance, in, in Miami, New England, uh, we got Devontae Parker banged up. He'll probably play. But Brian Flores knows he doesn't want Fitzpatrick taking chances against his mentors defense Uh, cam newton obviously debuting for the patriots i think he's healthy enough where he'll call his own number more often than he would say in week eight so i think we'll see the clock running there uh you know coaches keep things close to the vest but you already hear pete carroll saying that he's going to treat a lot of this like a preseason game because he wants to get guys touches so carlos hyde and travis homer will probably get some more carries than they otherwise would have behind chris carson uh, and Atlanta obviously has a brand new offense with their cutter there. He installed five to 600 plays I saw, and they're taking a hundred in. Uh, so again, uh, just such a lot of uncertainty and there's some high ceilings out there. I mean, that's a, a big number that they put on Seattle and Atlanta
1: uh, yeah, so I'm looking at Jason Garrett with the Cowboys. Uh, he goes eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, yada yada yada. A few years go by. He goes eight and eight last year, and he's gone. So now I'm thinking, uh, I go to VegasInsider.com. I'm thinking I'm betting an eight and eight team to win the Super Bowl. I got to be getting tremendous odds, right? Um, because I think I'm the only person in the world that that knows that Jason Garrett was a terrible coach. Well, turns out I was wrong because plus twelve hundred for. A, a eight and eight team is kind of brutal. So, uh, is that is that still worthwhile? Because the Cowboys really could win the Super Bowl. Or at that number, you know, they say you, you fall in love with the number, not the team. And maybe I should stay away. Ceedee Lamb must be a heck of a player, right, John? Uh,
3: <laughs> look, I, I think the Cowboys have as good a shot as any in the NFC. I view the NFC as completely wide open. Uh, I, I went with the Packers of all teams. In uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, revenge to make the Super Bowl. But that's how wide open the NFC looks. The AFC obviously looks like a collision between Kansas City and Baltimore. But you can sell me on a bunch of teams in the NFC. Uh, you know, the Bucks are 10 to 1. And it, right there in that same overvalued category as the Cowboys. You know, for my money, and I, I see where, where you're heading here, you know, maybe probably better value with the Eagles and Packers at 30 to 1. Uh, you know, yeah. certainly the Dallas Cowboys being America's team plays into that.
2: Well, I'm am a Philadelphia-based Eagles fan, and I have to say I, I'm not I'm not seeing it this year with 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 my team. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm I'm encouraged at least to hear you, Tony, say that uh, maybe at 31 they're not 30 to one they're not such a bad bet. So uh, I posited in an article I wrote this week that because of the new playoff format, with each conference having just one by team overs on win titles for the likely elite teams like the Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, maybe the Cowboys, etc., are slightly better bets than usual because those teams will push hard all season for the one seed. Do you subscribe to that, or am I working on a flawed theory here?
3: I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't say it's flawed. It just doesn't do much for me. I mean, I think till you get to week 15, everybody's playing to win, and then you have the the better teams – kind of dialing it back a little bit to make sure they're healthy for the playoffs. And you're right. You know, if there's only going to be one bye, maybe th- that, that theory uh, has some value. If you want to bet that those high win totals with the Ravens and the chiefs that are both about 11 and a half, your odds increase that they'll have Mahomes and Lamar Jackson out there in week 16 and 17. But for the other teams, I think, uh, you know, they're going to win or to try to win uh, all set, all 16 games.
2: Right. So do you, do you have one of those teams I mentioned that you particularly like for an over uh, or, or an under? Is, is one of those su- so supposed top teams likely to disappoint in, in, in your view? I
3: don't see any way the Kansas City Chiefs don't win 12 games. OK. Uh, <laughs> their, their, their division. Uh, I, I really like the Chargers. Then they lose Derwin James. Um, the Raiders probably would have had some sort of advantage in Las Vegas, but now no fans. Uh, the Broncos obviously losing Vaughn Miller. Uh, so it, it really setting up nicely for the Chiefs to go 13-3, and 14-2. The Ravens have a tougher division. So, you know, you can sell me on potentially the under, but I think Kansas City is going to be the top regular season team uh, in all of football.
2: Okay. And so so if if hypothetically one of the sports books had one of these deals where you bet 50 bucks and you get a $5 uh bonus uh for each t- uh game that your team wins, uh you're saying that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are a, a pretty safe pick there to at least get your money back uh, uh, whether they win the Super Bowl or not.
3: Right. And but don't <laughs> don't blame
1: me if Patrick Mahomes uh you know blows out his shoulder
3: in week 3. <laughs> And
2: all
0: right.
1: Off. right, right. Good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tony, I look at the Bengals. They win two games last year with a mediocre quarterback in Andy Dalton. Um, mediocre is not a great word, but he was not the worst quarterback in the league last year. They had a terrible offensive line. Um, now they have a terrible offensive line that hasn't even played together. They have a rookie quarterback who, you know, out of LSU, obviously, it's a big deal, but uh, he hasn't really played with his with new teammates either. Uh, with all that, they're supposed to win uh, maybe five and a half games as the over-under i don't know how they get better that much better than last year uh i don't think a rookie uh, joe burrow is going to be necessarily better than a veteran dalton right out of the gate maybe in a second or third year it'll be a lot better but I, with this whole no preseason and everything else i i, I can't stand the Bengals, so i want to go under five and a half uh am i missing something about the Bengals that uh, makes them uh appealing at that number
3: No, I don't think so. Uh, I think you'd be safe there. You know, for me to go as low as five and a half and, and go low side on that, I've got to respect the teams in the division. And I do. And, and that, in this case, I think the Browns are going to be better, uh, with Ben Roethlisberger back, the Steelers should be better. And obviously the Ravens are going to win 11 to 12 games, uh, if they can stay healthy. So, you know, and the same thing goes with the jets. I think the jets have had a brutal off season, uh, I think the Dolphins are going to be much better than expected. You respect Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And obviously I think the Buffalo Bills are headed to double digit victories. So, you know, from that standpoint, Bengals and Jets, you want to fade them. That's fine with me.
1: Yeah, I think five and a half is about as low as I would go for any team, no matter what. I mean, every year it seems like there's some team that, you know, Oh, they're going to go all in 16 and, you know, usually, Nobody is that bad. I mean, sometimes there's a two win team like last year, but um, you know, so these four and a halfs, I, I can't see doing against almost anybody. I'm not sure what Jacksonville is this year; they would be the uh, the one there. But do uh, you kind of get a little nervous at that number, too? That kind of number.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because a, a team can catch fire. I mean, we saw it with the Dolphins when everybody expected them to yeah. to tank for Tua, and they ended up getting him anyway. Um, but just the way that that worked out. They suddenly started winning games late in the season. They had no business winning. uh, And Brian Flores was just coaching his team up. And that's why I think, you know, from that standpoint, they come into this season optimistic, especially with uh, the defensive additions that they've had.
2: Yeah, I got burned on that Miami one last year. I thought under four and a half was the the easiest money I ever I ever was going to mm-hmm. collect, and then and then it di- it didn't happen. Um, before we let you go, Tony, I'm just curious. You know, we're not we're not a a tout service here. We're not necessarily giving out picks, but I am curious if you have sort of a a best bet, something that like you saw the number at some point during the off season and it just jumped out at you as, Oh my God, they've got this one completely wrong. I'm going to take advantage of it. Is there, is there one bet uh, heading into the season that really stood out for you?
3: I mean, Eric, I think that the Steelers are very interesting Mm -hmm. just because expectations are what they are for them. You know, we we saw Minka Fitzpatrick make such a big difference on that defensive side of the ball uh, that now if they get Ben Roethlisberger to look like big Ben again, Uh, they can post double-digit wings and and so for me I think you 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 respect the culture there you know what you're getting yes some Steeler fans are, are down on Mike Tomlin but over the test of time that guy gets results so you know go back to tried and true especially in a season with so much uncertainty uh in in the fold gotcha
2: all right well great talking to you tony uh for our listeners out there i'll let you know you can find tony on twitter at tony mejia nba and of course check him out at vegasinsider.com tony thanks so much for joining us on gamble on
3: i appreciate you guys having me thanks eric and john have a great season
1: you too all right thanks tony two men ten thousand dollars
3: will they run it up
1: or blow it all
3: it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll
2: Our head-to-head Fast Five mini-super contest starts this week. Uh, We'll get to our picks on that shortly. But first we go to the shared bankroll, and it was a good week overall. Thanks entirely to John, who's definitely been carrying the team the last several episodes. Uh, John went two for two. He had Justin Thomas to finish in the top three at plus 138 odds. That was a winner, so we added $138 with that one. And he had the Dallas Stars at plus 118 to beat Colorado in Game 7. That also delivered, got us a $118 profit. I broke even, meanwhile, with my two bets from last week. I won $100 on the Heat finishing off the Bucks. But I lost $100 betting the Golden Knights in Game 6 on the puck line. So all in all, we won $256. We're now in the black by $372. And we have $600 on hold in futures bets. That leaves us with $9,772 available to bet with this week. And with the NFL season starting, we're going to make three bets apiece this week instead of our usual two. And you're up first, John. All right. Well, yeah, I'll kick off with
1: a football bet then. It seems appropriate. Um, As I noted on the interview, the Bengals are being asked to win six games this year with a rookie quarterback in a preseason free season. After winning two games with a sort of workman like Andy Dalton last season, I don't see it at all. So 110 to win 100 under five and a half wins for the Bengals.
2: Okay, yeah, I, I could have could have predicted that one was coming from you. Um, uh, so uh, I teased last week that i might commit the ultimate sin for an eagles fan and bet on the evil dallas cowboys and indeed i've decided to do it the cowboys look stacked on paper this season clearly the most talented roster in the nfc east a better coach coming in as john discussed with tony even if uh, you know we have some questions about him certainly better than garrett uh, and uh, given that seven of 16 teams in the nfc make the playoffs this year I can't see a realistic way the Cowboys miss the playoffs. Maybe they won't win the division, but still, three wildcard teams. I don't see how Dallas doesn't go at least 9-7. and seven especially when you figure them for 4-2 or 5-1 in the division. You have teams like Kansas City and Baltimore that are like minus 700, minus 1,000 to make the playoffs. And Dallas is all the way down at a manageable minus 225 at Fox Bet. To me, that's a steal. I was tempted to do a huge $450 bet to win 200 bucks, but I don't want to give us that big a sweat, uh, and I don't want to be rooting that hard for the Cowboys. Uh, So 225 to win 100. I can sell out and do that and uh, and then root for them to break their fans' hearts in the postseason.
1: Uh, again, yeah. Yes. Um, well, you had talked about the, whether the lack of preseason might affect scoring, and uh, I, I like that concept. So I went looking around for that, and I found under 43.5 points, uh, 110 to win 100 again, uh, on the likely uh, Bears-Lions quagmire. I mean, I don't, I don't see a lot going on in that game. I almost wish I had found an over for punts in that one, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a line that's hard to find, number of punts. Uh, but, uh, you know, some people are really high on the Lions this year. They're, they're turning into one of those buzz teams i'm i'm not sure i see it i think sometimes people reach to find a, a sleeper that other people aren't talking about and then everyone starts talking about that team and then you have to go even deeper for a sleeper and you land on the lions uh yeah under under sounds like a good bet on that one um all right i feel good about my cowboys bet that i made but it isn't my super duper stone cold Megalock guarantee futures bet for the 2020 season yeah. that distinction is Goes to Rob Gronkowski under 619.5 receiving yards. <laughs> to to go over that mark, Gronk needs 38 and three quarters yards per game on average, which is probably just about right if you think he's playing 16 games. Uh, I mean, in his last season, 2018, he averaged 52 and a half yards per game played. Now he's older, hasn't played football in a year, is partnered with a quarterback who's two years older and showed signs of slipping last season. And Tom Brady has all these other targets in Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Cam Brate. I mean, Gronk could be the number three tight end on that team. Mm. Add in his injury history and the COVID factor. You know, anyone could miss a game or two or three at any time this season. Mm. I just think it's such a long shot that he gets to 620 receiving yards. I looked up Jason Witten. I was curious what he did last year after Mm. coming back from a year off. He actually played all 16 games. And still only got to 529 yards. Yeah, he's older and he's not Gronk. But the over-under on games played for Gronk this year should be, I don't know, 10 or 11. Uh, Mm -hmm. he, He figures to run about half as many routes per game as he did in New England two years ago. His line is simply too high because of his name, because he's Gronk. There's like one perfect path for him to hit the over and a dozen different routes to the under on this one. So I love it. I bet it big in real life, and I'm betting it big here. Double my usual bet size, $220 to win $200. I like a lot of player prop unders this season, but this is my favorite of them all.
1: Well, I, I was wincing when you first started saying it, and I kept listening, and you actually won me over. So, all right, uh, very persuasive argument. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, meanwhile, the PGA Tour just ended its 2019-20 season on Labor Day, and after an extended two-day off season, the new season begins today. <laughs> if you can believe it, <laughs> with the Safeway Open in Napa Valley. Um, I'm going to extend my own offseason by one week, however, and I'm not going to bother mentioning that, you know, Charles Schwartzel could be a good long shot pick. I'm not going there. So uh, I guess I did go there, but I'm not going there. I'm <laughs> not betting it. Right. Um, no team has ever rallied from down 3-1 in two NBA playoff series in one year, and the Denver Nuggets aren't going to be the first. Um, I was surprised they knocked off Utah, frankly, but at this point the offseason really, really beckons in that bubble. Uh, so give me our, our beloved Clippers, who are already long on them, uh, 110 to win 100, minus eight points in game five on Friday.
2: All right. I like that. Yeah, uh, it worked for you last time, sort of uh, doubling down on, on uh, a team that we had advancing for a single game. And so uh did it here with the Clippers. I, I think that's a good bet. Um, for my final bet, uh, I've, I'm sticking with the NFL, but after two futures bets, I'm going to finish with a week one specific bet. Uh, let's risk a small amount to win a larger amount with a money line upset. I think Miami is a very live dog against New England. We don't know what home field advantage means for anyone this year, for the Pats, whether it means anything at all. The Pats had a lot of players opt out. They have a new quarterback. They might be good, but they're no longer the big bad Patriots, at least not on paper. And Miami, we all remember how strong they finished last year. They have a good coach. They'll be starting the veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick here. You know, I wouldn't back them if it was the rookie Tua being thrown out there, but they've got the veteran who we know can get things done. I think there are a lot of factors here to indicate this should be a close game and not the usual New England Miami blowout. The Dolphins are priced at +250 on the money line, so let's take a shot. 50 bucks to win 125. I think that's a favorable payout against a team loaded with uncertainty like New England is all right we'll take Take a shot at that all right and we will close things out with the return of the fast five where john and i compete in our own head-to-head version of the famous las vegas super contest i won in 2018 by finishing a few games ahead of john but john won in 2019 with a sensational 48 33 and four record three and a half games ahead of me so it's all knotted up one set apiece. uh john went first in week one last season so i'll go first in week one this season with my five picks against the spread using the Westgate Super Contest odds. And I fully expect to peg a few teams wrong in week one. We're working on very limited information, but I found five sides I like. So here goes. And and first to note that, I loved the Steelers when the line first opened. They were like minus three, minus three and a half at the Giants, but now it's moved to minus five and a half most places, and it's minus six at Westgate. So I'm, I'm going to pass on that one. Instead, here are my five. My first one should be obvious based on my bankroll bet. Dolphins getting six and a half at New England. I expect a close game and a possible upset. No need to expound further. Next, I think the Browns might do a little better this year without as much hype as they had last year but not against the Ravens in week one. Ravens favored by eight. It should be double digits. I think they will win by double digits. Uh, Maybe not as enormous as their uh, blowout win over Miami in week one last year, where they won by, what, like 50-something points. Uh, But I'm fine giving eight at home against Cleveland. Uh, Next, let's take another eight-point favorite. Give me the Colts over the Jaguars. I'm a little iffy on Philip Rivers at this point. He does tend to turn the ball over, but I have faith in Frank Reich and Jacksonville looks to be the doormat of the league. So give me Indy to cover the big number. Uh, Next, continuing a pattern. Uh, So far, I've picked either eight point favorites or six and a half point underdogs. So uh, let's do the latter. Give me the Cardinals plus six and a half under the freaky red sky in San Francisco. I think it's the right combination of an improving Cardinals team that played other teams close last season and the 49ers trying to deal with that Super Bowl runner up hangover. I'm not saying Arizona will win outright but this just shapes up to me as a a weird, close game. I like all those points the Cardinals are getting. And lastly, breaking my pattern of either big favorites or big dogs, give me a short road favorite on Monday night. Titans minus two and a half at Denver. The Von Miller news is bad for the Broncos, and I'm getting the hook with Tennessee. I realize that Derrick Henry doesn't heat up until week 14 or so, but still, this is a classic case where, you know, at three and a half, I'd feel differently. At two and a half, I think Tennessee is the right side. So that's my fifth pick. What do you got, John?
1: Uh, well, it's occurring to me, yeah, that 58.8% mark I had last year. And I was 6-5 and five in the playoffs while losing the conference title games and the Super Bowl. So hmm. I'm not sure if I'm on a hot streak or not. But uh, <laughs> it, it makes me think, I'm so glad the NFL is back. But if it wasn't, I'd still be able to ride that number, you know, a little longer. Um, right. You know, I, I'm upset that the Mets haven't won since 1986. But I was, I was there uh, for that game. And that was kind of cool. And I was there the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl. Last time the Jets made the uh, AFC championship game, last time the Devils won the Stanley cup, um, last time the Rangers were in the Stanley cup final. So, um, you know, it's kind of cool to be able to say that and I don't have to, uh, uh, you know, uh, attend any more games to be able to do it but the fact is i i've, I've dodged this long enough haven't i i've got to dive in and, and right. unfortunately probably risk that number gotta back um, it up yeah yeah eagles minus five and a half at uh, washington football team um i like new coach ron rivera but he hasn't had enough time with the players really and Haskins the quarterback is so shaky um i may go a little more heavy on the football team after a few weeks but i'm not ready just yet um, then Packers plus two and a half at Vikings. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a good kind of angry, I think. And he's as good a field general as there is in these stormy times for sort of improvising and, and getting everybody on the right page. Um, the vaunted Vikings D lost too many cogs to win uh, this one. And the trade of Stefan Diggs digs is not a good vibe either. Mm-hmm. So I feel pretty strong about those. Um, now I'm going against you in a couple. Um, okay. Give me Jaguars plus eight against the Colts. Um, you can't kill the Jaguars. They're already dead, according to uh, all reports. Uh, a free <laughs> touchdown at home in a top. Topsy turvy week one. And Philip Rivers, he's been home for months with, he's got what, like eight or nine kids? I mean, that's. That's got to throw them off, I think. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take a shot at that one. I might need a special teams touchdown to salvage it, but who knows? Might get it. Right. Um, and also I'm going Patriots minus six and a half versus the Dolphins. Um, I thought this line would go over seven, frankly. A uh, huge coaching edge here, obviously. Um, uh, I am contradicting your hunch-ups at play, and your reasoning is pretty good, but I made the pick, so I'll stick with it. Okay. Um, and then I am going where you feared to tread, which is Steelers minus six at the Giants on Monday night. Yeah, uh, um, Pittsburgh was competitive last year. With some semi-pro quarterbacks out there. And uh you know, another huge edge in coaching experience. And Big Ben carries them home, I think, even with the six. All
2: right, so all I know for certain right now is that we will not both be 5-0 and after week yeah, one. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> all right, that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Tony Mejia. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And before I hand it over to John to take us out, A quick parting shot from me, I just want to quickly mention the passing of Mike Sexton, a poker industry icon as a player and broadcaster who died of cancer over the holiday weekend at the age of 72. I didn't know Mike well, just interviewed him a handful of times over the years, but he was as well-liked and universally respected as anyone in poker and was one of the driving forces in the early success of the World Poker Tour, which consequently makes him one of the driving forces in leading the poker boom to happen news of his death hit the poker community hard and Mike started a family late in life. He leaves behind a 12 year old son. So, our deepest condolences to all of Mike's family and friends. Rest in peace to one of the gambling industry's finest ambassadors. And with that, John, I hand it over to you for some parting thoughts of your own at the end of this episode. Uh,
1: yeah, I'll just add my condolences, Eric, to the Sexton family. Uh, the outpouring respect for him on social media was uh, really impressive, and I hope that's some consolation for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'll take us back two weeks uh, when I had a $54 free bet to play. Uh, I'd taken some good-natured ribbing for going chalk with a similar friend Bet previously, so uh, I decided to stretch my wings a little bit, uh, for the BMW Championship golf, um, and go for Colin Morikawa for a top 10, not just a top 20, to win $108. I'm like sure, so two to one. Hmm. Um, well, Morikawa buried the first two holes of the week, and he shot four under on the weekend in a brutal event where 472 holes uh, got you into a playoff with Dustin Johnson and John Rahm. Unfortunately, my Phenom's wheels came off for most of Thursday and Friday, so he still finished five over, even with that weekend rally. Mm. Um, Ironically, the 68 on Sunday got him into a tie for 20th, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So the usual bet would have gotten chopped a bit, but still, I would have cashed. Um, I'm trying to keep an open mind on more aggressive gambling, especially because it's with house money and... It just would've helped if I had won that one though, but I'm I'm still thinking about it and I have another free one coming up in a couple of weeks, so I'll I'll, I'll try this again. Uh, but with that until next time everybody, gamble on.